You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Happy Monday evening, Blue Jays fans. It is Brendan Panikar in the driver's seat tonight with Craig Borden from Rochester, New York. Craig, how are you holding up, man? We were supposed to be seeing the, the Blue Jays at the Philadelphia Phillies tonight. To now, you know, reignite that 1993 rivalry that uh, MLB keeps on trying to force down our throats every year in Interleague. Uh, but other than that, how's it going? <laughs> well, just to bring up that rivalry, in my year 2025 on my MLB The Show, that was the World Series matchup. And just to say, um, Vladdy and Bo were epic in that World Series. Uh, <laughs> well, if you're in 2025 in your MLB The Show, Craig, where are both Vlad and Bo on the overall rating scales right now uh, in MLB The Show? So I can't say, well, as far as overall, they're both 99 overall grades. <laughs> And that's not me tweaking or anything. That's full on just letting the player development stuff do what it does in the simulated franchise mode. And right. the fact that um, Bo is a World Series MVP in that whole thing and missed <laughs> 70 games in 2025. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> uh, still manages to get 70 RBIs in that season. This shows you how ridiculous my lineup might be. <laughs> yeah, how's, how's Kevin doing? You still got Kevin Biggio on I that team I do not well? have Kevin Biggio. He's greedy. He wanted ah. <laughs> So he went and signed somewhere else. <laughs> he did. I brought up I brought up through the minors another second baseman, and it wasn't Kevin Smith. <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't anybody that we would know. It's probably one of these uh, created guys, right? <laughs> yeah, it was one of those created guys. Let's just put it into perspective. In the year 2020, in my show, I had – the opportunity to trade for Matt Chapman. So I traded Jordan Groshans and, a, and company to bolster my infield to pushing Vladimir Guerrero Jr. to a first base role. <laughs> so basically, basically what you're saying is this year or maybe let's just say next year for the purposes of having a full baseball season, we're going to see version two of the Josh Donaldson trade by getting Matt Chapman. That's, that's what you're basically what I saw out of it and I really enjoyed it. And Matt Chapman is a beast. He is beast, and I don't think people appreciate Matt Chapman enough around baseball. Just kind of like Josh Donaldson back in the day, where he came out of nowhere. He was snubbed as an All Star in 2014, and finally made it in 2015. Craig, I'm uh, I'm liking the prospects of what you're bringing up here. I'm getting excited about Matt Chapman now. Maybe we should keep this on our radars, huh? Yeah, remember that whole show we were talking about training for Nolan Arenado? Yeah, <laughs> this whole thing could go just the same way with throwing a few guys at the Oakland A's just like this and getting 
somebody like Matt Chapman on a ridiculously cheap deal for a few years, and I ended up re-upping his contract at a steep cliff, but worth every damn penny of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Uh, so I think basically, I kept Josh Donaldson. <laughs> just saying. Right. Yeah. It was just a little bit of a hiatus from the end of the Donaldson era here in real life to the virtual reality of having Matt Chapman as a Blue Jay and bringing back Josh Donaldson 2.0. <laughs> there you go. And plus uh, defense buddy, plus defense with the bat. That's the catch. Oh, and yeah. That's a guy that's just like Donaldson. If you put him in the right ballparks, he's going to mash 40 home runs. And Chapman oh, has got insane pop to be playing in all those giant AL West ballparks, man. That's, that's a heck of a deal. To be bringing well, somebody like that, but like I said, I had to give up plenty to give him. I gave up Jordan Groshans and two other high-end prospects to get him in. I, but I would do it. <laughs> I, what, if I have somebody like Matt Chapman, what would I do with Jordan Groshans? Yeah, <laughs> yeah I might trade him anyway. But I got a major league ready player out of the deal, and then two years later in the franchise thing, I happened to check in on Matt Ch- or on uh, Jordan Groshans. Guess who won the 2022 Rookie of the Year award? Jordan Groshans. Jordan Groshans. <laughs> <laughs> so the thing finally is him too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's uh, that's too funny. If that actually happens, that would be exciting. And you know what? Very similar to that uh, Nolan Arenado discussion. Yes, I would right. give up uh, Jordan Groshans if it netted us Matt Chapman for the next few years. So Big just no so way. everybody knows who's listening, I think we're both in agreement that that trade would happen. I'd be curious what our, the third member of our team who's unable to join us tonight, Adam Corsair would think on that. He, I think he made agree. <laughs> I think he would be strangely okay with it. I, I do too. Well, Craig, we got uh, some fun coming up over the next few weeks for our listeners and hopefully growing our Twitter feed a little bit. Kind of stolen an idea from uh, somebody who I used to write with at a CFL, yes, Canadian Football League website just a few seasons ago. I believe it was 2018, but... Craig, over the last month, he's been putting out the best CFL players of 2010 bracket. So I figured, why don't we do the exact same over the month of April and into May of the best Blue Jays of 2010 and seed them 1 through 16 on either side of the bracket. So, Craig, we have 16 starters, 16 relievers, 16 infielders, and 16 outfielders that we will be discussing tonight where we have seeded them. And the end goal is to create a master bracket, which we will put out on our Twitter feed and in individual polls, have our listeners and other people who discover our show in this process vote on it to ultimately determine the Blue Jays' best player in 2010. Are you ready for this? I am. Honestly, I'm very interested to see how our fans are going to interact with this whole thing because it is going to be a fun thing, so we're going to be posting a couple of polls so we're not going to be doing all of the brackets at once, Brendan, but the nice fact that we'll be able to dust these through uh, over the next few weeks and have a nice conversation with everybody, I think it's going to be a fun time, and we're going to have to probably even uh, touch on these how, how these are going over the next few weeks. But Absolutely. It's going to be fun to get everything going and see what everybody's opinions are because I thought it was rather ironic and funny that you and I already have had a, it's going to lead to a nice conversation having a few differences in our layouts and how we seeded each one of these guys as we you know shake the tree here and see what falls out of it <laughs> absolutely no it'll be interesting to see our differences debate them have some fun little conversations about where we put them so craig who do you, who should we introduce to the audience first in terms of the 16 i figure we'll go through each category and just let our listeners know what 16 made the cut now so people know this was made by me all 16 were chosen by me on a basis of 
the top 16 in each category of starters, relievers, infielders, and outfielders by F4. So according to Fangraphs, it went up, totaled all up. Where would you like to start, sir, in terms of announcing who's made the top 16 for each category? I'm in a pitching state of mind. I don't know why. Maybe it's just right. because I've been watching nothing but Pitch Ninja on my freaking uh, Twitter feed so far <laughs> in the last few weeks. Uh, but I just think that this one, honestly, is the closest of all these groups. I do, too. So for people to know, this this list that I'm about to read out of the 16 who made it is not seeded. It's not anything. Once we introduce it, we'll get into our seeding. So, Craig, under the starters list, we have Brandon Morrow. Ricky Romero, Sean Markham, Jay Hop, Mark Burley, Drew Hutchison, R.A. Dickey, Marcus Stroman, David Price, Marco Estrada, Aaron Sanchez, Trent Thornton, Ryan Barucki, Francisco Liriano, Henderson Alvarez, and Carlos Villanueva, who basically was a swingman for two years here uh, with the Toronto Blue Jays. Were there any surprises when you saw that list initially sent over by me in terms of who made the top 16 before we get into our seedings on the starter side? Other than the fact that I thought our position depth was a lot better over the last few years, but <laughs> <laughs> no, nothing too crazy. Um, but it just goes to show you how good of pitchers we've had over the last decade with the Toronto Blue Jays. Nothing crazy to stand out of a Roy Halladay level, but the fact that there has been somebody very consistent, and it's usually a group of guys. It's not individuals running away with it i just thought even when you go back to the years of ricky romero and everything it wasn't just him it was it was sean markham and company jump jumping in that brandon morrow unfortunately did not stay healthy enough but still was an epic pitcher when he was healthy so it's good stuff i just i honestly i think this is a great idea what you stumbled across on twitter to keep moving around with our fans and the fact that you and i are already going to have some good talks about where we see our guys <laughs> um i guess the question is brandon where do you want to attack this that's a good question um <laughs> i'm thinking now um i wonder if we start with our 116s and then move to two verse 15 so on and so forth, because Craig, as you get closer to the seeds where you get to 512, 611s, 710s, and 89s, there's going to be some very interesting results to see. So I could kick off the 116 seed that I have decided to put together on my end, and then you'll reveal yours. Mm-hmm. Craig, in the number one seed in the starter side of the bracket, I have put Marcus Stroman. Yes, I do believe that Marcus Stroman has been the Blue Jays' best starter that they've had. Maybe not in terms of overall performance from the t- from the time that they've been here, because, yeah, David Price was probably the best that they've had, but we've only had David Price for half a season and a bit of a playoff run. But Marcus Stroman, homegrown, come, came up in 2014 as a reliever and took over as a starter. He had that Maddox that he threw against the Chicago Cubs in 2014, his first season. And then just the whole story, Craig, of the ACL tear, um, and coming back for the playoffs and pitching four games in the regular season. The only drawback to Stroman that I can think of, which wasn't a strong enough one to put anybody above him in my mind, was the fact that he was able to successfully... Well, actually, the only drawback, sorry, was the fact that he was a little bit up and down throughout the course of his career, where 2015 he was pretty incredible, took a bit of a step back in 2016, and 2017 he was great, 2018 dealt with injuries, and then he was off to a good start in 2019 before being shipped to the Mets. But yes, I have Marcus Stroman up against the 16th seed. Henderson Alvarez, who had one good season with the Blue Jays before being part of that Marlins trade, 
Craig, what is your one versus sixteen matchup? My one versus sixteen matchup, um, or is it easier if you bring up the matchup you had, and I'll ra- tell you where I rank the people? I wonder. That's a good point. Because the, you know the, what? The, the first thing that you have there, I'm, I'm contesting a little bit. <laughs> okay, uh, bring it on. Bring it on. Attack it how you wish. So um, I think that would be a nice way of doing it. I don't want to step on how you're doing it, but I just figure otherwise it's going to be us talking about two weird different matchups. Unless that's how you want sure, to go yeah. about this. Yeah, yeah. Debate, debate away. So come with a rebuttal and All then right. reveal your matchup at the end. Okay, so I had Marcus Stroman in my fourth spot okay. behind a few other gentlemen that I would say are a little bit more consistent in their tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I think a lot of that is, like you said, I have him ranked that low because he is very swingy, ups and down. And I'm not just saying that because he is always up or down with his actual mentality and mood on the mound. (laughs) (laughs) So I had him at, like I said, my fourth seed. But I had Jay Happ as my number one seed. Oh, lovely. So and the reason I chose Jay Happ to be my number one seed, regardless that his first part of the Blue Jays' um, stint with us, he was not great, but he wasn't horrid either. And then he was literally our best pitcher 2015-2016, or at least most consistent guy. And he continued to be that throughout the re- that second tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays. And I just have trouble putting anybody above him in that situation. So then my 16th slot, I had to give it to Ryan Barucki because there just has not been enough sample size for me to think anybody else. Carlos Villanueva, like you said, yeah, was a little bit there and there. And same thing with Henderson Alvarez. He had one real good season. I just couldn't – I felt like those guys having one full good season ranked them above Barucki. Absolutely. And I can't say I disagree with any of your rationales for your number one seed. I, I do love myself some Jay Hap, Craig, um, <laughs> especially the fact that he had a little bit of a redemption tour. The fact that his first few years here, you know, as you said, he was uh, he was okay. There were some pretty bad outings. There were some pretty rough ones where he struggled mightily to get through five innings because he just was so inconsistent around the plate. But the fact that he came back as a 20-game winner, started game two of each playoff series just told you so much about him but yeah that's uh that's where i have jay Happ coming in at the second seed greg i have him right behind marcus stroman uh in my two versus 15 matchup and for a lot of the same reason you did uh i had Happ in that slot i just couldn't think to put him ahead of marcus stroman because i think at their heights stroman may have been a little bit better in my opinion but uh for pretty much everything that you just said I had Jay Happ ranked as the second best pitcher uh, over the course of the 2010s for the Blue Jays up against Carlos Villanueva in my 15 slot. Who did you have at 2-15? and 2-15, and, and this is where everybody's going to probably either love or hate me. <laughs> <laughs> I had Ricky Romero as the second best Blue Jays pitcher, and I think that is purely by the fact that I this guy – Fell off like a cliff. It was he was literally one of the best pitchers in the American League one year. Started falling and sliding down the hillside, and then became one of the worst guys in pitching for the Toronto Blue Jays, and couldn't even keep his job. But before that, before that, like I said, just ridiculous downturn. They were talking about him being the next best pitcher in the American League. Period. 
Like, this is like the Blue Jays thinking they had Roy Halladay all over again. That's how good oh. he was. <laughs> so, you're right. You're, you're right. And in the midst of that conversation, I had to rank him that high because he was that consistent for a few years. And that's how I made more of my deciding votes on these things. How long were they good for the Toronto Blue Jays out of those guys that you just enlisted? And, and then I had him against Carlos Villanueva. So ah, we are, we are we good both. on that one. <laughs> <laughs> we have Carlos Villanueva in the 15th seed, mainly because, you know, I think the reason why I didn't put Carlos Villanueva in the 16th seed, Craig, was because he, in, I did factor in a little bit of Villanueva's tenure as a reliever where he was able to come in and clean up messes. But that stretch that Los Del V, his famous nickname, come up by Mike Lunner, um, he had a really good stretch as a starter when he entered the rotation because of injuries. So that little stretch there was enough to make me his 15 seed. So we are unanimous on the 15 seed, Craig. So <laughs> it'll be interesting to see where we get unanimous. So I'm actually going to star that in my bracket or just make it a different color to be like, yep, yeah, unanimous selection in terms of a seeding. So that will probably be where he will fall when we create the master bracket mm-hmm. uh, for our Blue Jays uh, top player of the 2010s decade. So to recap, we have Stroman 1, Henderson Alvarez 16. When you have Jay Hat number 1 and Ryan Barucki 16, we both have Villanueva 15. I have Hat 2 and you have Ricky Romero number 4. So Craig, moving along, the 3 versus 14 matchup. Who do you have? Lead us off with your matchup, and then I'll debate you back and reveal mine. Okay. I actually have Sean Markham as the third best guy versus Francisco Liriano. Ooh, and I did that I like because it. I love the fact that regardless of whatever was going on on the field with Sean Markham, he found a way to grind out victories. He was just very consistent regardless of what trouble he got into or not. <laughs> <laughs> and he did that for an extended amount of time. And that's why I threw him into this level because he just had such a good consistent time in a Blue Jay uniform throughout the decade. Yeah. Then, then Liriano, I, Liriano. I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I will tell you right now when you find out where I have Sean Markham, it might be a bit of a surprise for you, even though I love Sean Markham. Mm-hmm. I won't reveal where I have him, but it is, we are very different on that. So I'll be interested to get your reaction when I get to where I've seated him. <laughs> I'm very, we're very similar on Francisco Liriano, where I'll get to. I have seated Marco Estrada in three spot, going up against Ryan Barucki in the 14th spot. So we're similar on Barucki in terms of where we've seated him on our polls. But yes, I have Estrada as number three. And you know what, Estrada, kind of like Jay Happ, which is why I have Estrada so high, uh, is because Estrada himself had a little bit of a redemption tour, maybe not as much of, as Jay Happ, but I remember when he was traded for, and it, they gave up Adam Wind, the reaction by the fans was like, oh, great, this guy better not see the starting, ma- he better not see the rotation uh, in going out there in the first inning because this guy was just coming off of a season. I believe he gave up 40-something home runs with the Milwaukee Brewers. It was something uh, like the, that. It was something crazy. Right? Like something extremely high number. So I remember being very scared of Estrada. But Craig, the reason I have him so high at number three, a lot of it has to do with the postseason and just in terms of how he was a dominant, dominant uh, starter in the playoffs for the Blue Jays. Even more so, some of the, I, I would say from the half season, they had David Price in the playoffs 
and you throw him up, up against Marco Estrada. Marco Estrada was well more dominant than David Price, and that's why I weighted that quite heavily in terms of giving him a three seed in our starters bracket here. Correct me if I'm wrong, but didn't he actually lead the league in opposing batting average in 2015? I believe you are right. It was either 2015 or 2016, but you are right. It was yes, one of those years. Because everybody's like, where the hell did this guy come from? That kind of stuff. Yep. <laughs> and in the midst of that, I uh, I agree with you. I have, I have Marco Estrada going in my next. So, no, sorry, I take that back. I had him down a little ways. <laughs> I, had Stro- <laughs> I, had, I had him down in my, like, seventh spot. And that was not because of anything bad or anything. It's just I just thought the other guys that were ahead of him, like I said, came down to longer extended periods of greatness. So that's kind of where I had it okay. with some of those guys. Excellent. I'll be but interested that, to see where you have him seated for sure as we move along. So, that's great. Yep. So Ricky Romero for me, Craig, came in at number four. So we're not too far off on Ricky Romero. He got a pretty high seed for me. Um, as you said, and a lot of the rationale for you, giving him what, he was your number two? Yep. Uh, number two seed. Uh, all very similar for me putting him at number four. Craig, when we were just debating before we started recording, Mar- or Ricky Romero uh, was 100% an ace for in 2011 when he was named as an all-star replacement. There was a case to be made that season that Ricky Romero was the best left-handed starter in the division. And I don't say that lightly because there was other good lefties there, Craig. Like, yeah. A David Price with the Rays and CC Sabathia with the Yankees. So mm-hmm. that's why I gave it a number four. As you mentioned, he did fall off a cliff rather quickly in 2012. Unfortunately, the chronic knee issues that he was dealing with uh, really caught up to him in 2012, and he just fell off a cliff. But I have him going up in my 13th slot against Trent Thornton, who had a fantastic rookie season uh, for the Blue Jays in 2019, made all of his starts. I didn't want to give Thornton any lower than that, but also not any higher than that considering it was just a one-year sample size for Trent Thornton. Where do you have your 4 versus 13 matchup? My 4 versus 13, I have Marcus Stroman versus Henderson Alvarez. Ah, okay, so, so we're similar on Alvarez. So we're similar on Alvarez, but then the fact that I'm a little few spots below on Stroman, like I said. Um, and I, I just, honestly, I ranked Alvarez as high as I did just because of the fact that he had, that one year, he was insane. And yeah, for somebody was. that literally came out of nowhere, very similar to the Marco Estrada guy type of thing, and the fact that we did turn around him, turn around and flip him in that giant trade, then he actually pitched a no hitter with the Marlins. If I yeah. if I'm right, correct, but that's I not part of this. So, yeah. That's not part of my math on this, but that was the that was the <laughs> trending up part of Henderson Alvarez. And you could see that in that one season, that there was something good coming. And if he didn't get hurt, honestly, he would have probably been a main fixture in, in Miami. Yeah, so. absolutely. I don't disagree with that. So we are very similar in a lot of our top fours. And sorry for the noise in the background. That is the dishwasher. I'm sitting out in the living room. We <laughs> <laughs> uh, not too far off on quite a few of these so far. So I'm interested as we keep on going along where our major differences are. You've kind of alluded to that already. Uh, Craig, where is your 5 and 12 matchup going uh, for you on your side? So I'm just missing where you had Trent Thornton. But I had <laughs> I, he was on my low side of this matchup with our, against R.A. Dickey. Okay, okay. So I chose D- Dickey this high because of the fact that he... Honestly, I don't know why he didn't pitch it all in the 2015 playoffs. It was just kind of... He had a good season. I don't know if he ran out of gas or what it was, but he was a lot better than I think people give him credit for 
when he was with the Blue Jays. Yes, it wasn't the Cy Young Award you know, year that we traded for. And, yeah, it could be arguments that the knuckleball doesn't fly as well in the dome with no wind behind it. It could be a lot <laughs> of things. But I just really think for what the Blue Jays traded for in that at the time, it was the right thing, and he did live up to his part of the bargain. He was never going to be a Cy Young Award winner again. That was a pure fluke. Everybody needed to get over that really damn quickly. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I don't disagree. <laughs> yeah. So, but then the, I had Trent Thornton uh, up that a little extra from where you were. Um, actually, no, actually, I'm the opposite, right? You had him as your first seed or in the matchup you had him in, right? Trent Thornton? You had him as your top seed in the matchup you had Trent Thornton in, didn't you? I have him 13 against Ricky Romero at four. That's what it was. Okay. So we're close on that one. And I, just can't, I can't say enough good things about Trent Thornton after this season, and he's, I think he's only going to get better. Yeah, I agree. Uh, so I, I think for the, exactly the same reasons, we're just off on one seed where we slotted Trent Thornton in there. Craig, my five versus 12, I have Brandon Morrow at number five against Francisco Liriano at 12, so we're not that far off on Liriano. Be interested to see where you have Brandon Morrow ranked. I put him high mainly because the one season that he actually, I think, made 28 starts, and stayed quite healthy. He was really good uh, that one season. There's, You know what? I think a common thing I've realized on this list of starters is that there were some starters who had incredible stretches of one season yeah. and maybe one and a half, two seasons. Uh, but a couple of those guys moral, ended up in the reliever part of this portion, though. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Absolutely. A few of them did, absolutely, uh, in terms of some of their stretches a, a lot. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm more of five. The talent was always there. Uh, I love them, so maybe my five ranking is a little bit of bias uh, mm-hmm. kicking in. Uh, my first of the new version of the jerseys that they're currently wearing uh, was Brandon Morrow. Um, so that's why I have him up there. The talent was crazy. That one year that he did stay relatively healthy uh, was incredible. Um, and I believe it was, yeah, absolutely. And that was evident by his 17 strikeout game. Uh, back in one 2010, hitter. I believe. Yeah, <laughs> one hitter. Came right down to the end, and Longoria beat him out. And then Liriano at 12, probably for similar reasons to you. Uh, he had an okay 2016 when he came in here, and then the back half uh, of 2017 was uh, not very good before he got traded. So there was an okay 2016 for Liriano, where he played a big part in that wild card game in 2016, yep. and even down the stretch. Uh, there was a few good Liriano starts, but 2017 was a little bit of a cliff. But I didn't want to penalize him too much for uh, 2017 so much. But, yeah, very similar uh, so far in terms of where we have a lot of these guys. Not too far off. So my matchup was David <laughs> Price versus Drew Hutchinson. Oh, for uh, the 6 versus 11 matchup? Correct. <laughs> oh, so we have another unanimous, Craig. I have Drew Hutchinson at 11 as well. So I'm going to give go. that a star. So, but David Price, you had a lot higher. I do have him. I do have him lower than you. Oh, I have really? I figured it was the opposite. <laughs> no. <laughs> the reason I have him so high is yes, it was a small sample size, but dear God, man, <laughs> <laughs> you basically inherit. We traded for a guy that could have won the Cy Young Award on his second half performance. Period. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Even his uh, stretch where they trade for him against the Tigers. He was pitching very well for Detroit that year. Especially um, against which us. Which is why in the category. Were you at that game? <laughs> uh, I was, yes. <laughs> oh, dear God. But, yeah. And then I, I have Drew Hutchinson where I have him because he's the forgotten man. You know, he did really well for us when he need, we needed somebody else just to step up and do something. 
I would have never wanted to hand him another opening day start. <laughs> but the fact that when the chips fell down to the point where we, need, we needed somebody to chew up innings, he did a good job of salvaging that for us. He so. did. And I have very similar reasons for you. That's why I have him at 11 as well, Drew Hodgson. Uh, yeah, he, uh, people forget that like, he was the opening day starter in 2015, yeah. the season that this team should have won the World Series. Um, now, that's not his fault. Uh, it's, it's a quite good honor for Drew Hutchison to get the opening day start, but Strowman tearing his ACL and the fact that they wanted R.A. Dickey to not start uh, on the road outdoors in cold weather, I believe, is the rationale for it not being Dickey. So hey, Hutchison was really good in 2014, too, Greg, kind of going back to that pattern that we've seen, a lot of one-hit wonders where people were staying healthy for one year and were really good and kind of fell off a cliff. Drew Hutchison's 2014 was really good. I believe he was worth three wins that season where he mocked a lot, uh, amassed a lot of his value. So, uh, so to put that in perspective, that is very similar to what Trent Thornton did this year. What very true. Drew Hutchinson did in 2014. So Trent Thornton, like I said, I think he earned a spot last year on this rotation. So it'll be interesting to see if he ends up following that same mold or not. Yeah, I, I hope uh, I hope he does better than Drew. Uh, oh, yeah. a good thing I, I think he's got better stuff, anyways. But still, I'm just <laughs> as far too, yeah. as as far as weird tangents. I thought that was kind of ironic that they both followed that same kind of mold Absolutely. at least to start their careers or start their greatness, one or the other. So you have a lefty in David Price as your six. I have a lefty at number six, and it's Mark Burley. Uh, I have coming in at number six. Uh, Mark Burley is 2013, wasn't so much like Mark Burley, but once he got settled into Toronto, he came back for 2014 and 2015. Uh, Mark Burley was always very consistent. He was hitting his 200 innings. You knew what you were going to get with Mark Burley. And the reason I have him so high is because of his consistency. Just other than 2013 where he was a little bit off, the rest of his Blue Jays tenure, once he got settled in in Toronto, uh, Mark Burley was pretty damn good, and he was a big reason why uh, the 2015 team stayed afloat uh, with a suspect rotation at the beginning of it. Burley uh, was one of my personal favorites from the 2015 team, and even before that. So much so, Craig, it did not do this on purpose, but for the first eight starts, uh, or for the first eight Blue Jays games they went to in 2014, all of them were Mark Burley starts, and these were planned like a week or two in advance before being like, yes, I know I'm going to the game a week or two from now. Let's see how the matchups shake down. And every time, it was Mark Burley. So I got to see a lot of him when he was a Blue Jay. <laughs> there you go, man. So, well, yeah, I had uh, I actually had Burley at my turn. So it was hard to put him down that low. But when you talk about the guys I had next, I think you'll see why I ended up having him at my turn. Uh, okay. So, All right. So should I move so, on to my next one then? <laughs> moving to your next one. Seven versus ten. I had Marco Estrada versus Aaron Sanchez. Ooh, that's so, going to be a good one for people to vote on. <laughs> correct, and for various reasons, too, because obviously Marco Estrada is the other end of the spectrum from where Aaron Sanchez is. Yeah, pure finesse for insane stuff, but very small, consistent window of good. That's kind of why I had them both in the same thing, is you can really boil them both down into two, two or three good seasons for various different reasons. Absolutely. So. And uh, sorry, who was the all oh, right? Uh, Marco Estrada was your seven, and Aaron Sanchez was your ten. Yep. I'm not far off on Sanchez. He's not in this ranking for me on this side. I have R. A. Dickey at seven against David Price at ten. 
Uh, I penalized price quite heavily uh, in my seating oven just because it was only half a season. Um, and I also penalized him heavily, Craig, because he the playoff demons just continued for David Price when he was with the Blue Jays. The fact that he still couldn't get a postseason win. I will give him credit. His start against Kansas City in Game 6 uh, was really good, even though they lost. But even his start against Kansas City in Game 2, where he was absolutely cruising and looking like ace, ace, ace David Price uh, until that miscommunication in shallow right field between Goins and Batista, which it all fell apart for Price. Uh, I realize he had some good starts in his past with the Rays uh, and those ones we just mentioned with the Blue Jays, but the fact that he just couldn't get it done and deliver a key W in Game 2 and not get out of that jam uh, and then the two home runs early in Game 6 is why he penalized Price so heavily and put him at 10. But I also wanted to create some intrigue because I'm interested to see how people perceive R.A. Dickey's tenure as a Blue Jay uh, because I agree with you in terms of the fact that Dickey was unfairly criticized by this fan base. Extremely unfairly uh, criticized, but I want to see where people will lean on that with Dickey versus Price in a 7-10 matchup just for some intrigue. Yeah. Dickey had 200 <laughs> innings each year, didn't he? He did. All of his years here, I believe he puts 200. So that that amounts itself is who just to throw it out there, the guy that came closest to two hundred this past year was Trent Thornton, <laughs> and I think yeah. he was only at like one fifty, and he pitched every right. start. <laughs> so that's a lot of innings for somebody. You can't just be shitty and stand out there for that many innings in a season. Just saying. <laughs> and I will also say I don't know if we're going to have a two hundred inning starter this year, even if it's a hundred or something game, even if it was a full season. I don't know if anybody in the current projected rotation is going to go 200 in. Yeah, I don't you can make your argument for Ryu, but he's never been over 180, correct? Yeah, I believe other than his first season here with the Dodgers um, in North America. Yeah, actually, you might be right. I'm not even sure if he's ever hit uh, 200. But I think 180 yeah, was his most, and that was last season. Yeah, last year he stayed healthy and was able to get out there, and they were careful. Uh, with Ryu. But yeah, no, 200 innings is something that uh, I don't think we're going to see for another year or two. <laughs> so are we going to go around the turn here? <laughs> we're going to go around the turn. The 8 versus 9 matchup, which should have some intrigue with our voters once this all gets seeded and the master bracket is created. Uh, Craig, I have Aaron Sanchez coming in at number 8, uh, so not too far away from your seeding uh, in 10. Uh, and then Sean Markham I have in, in number 9. And that's because despite Markham being really good in the opening day guy in 2010, uh, the fact that he was traded later that offseason for Brett Laurie is part of the reason I penalized Markham and put him in a nine seed. Uh, so let me think, I did I just hear you just punished him for all the Red Bull drinking that f happened in the future? <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I punished him for that. Yeah, absolutely. But, uh, yeah, the fact that I also tried to not take much of the previous decade into effect when Markham got injured, but he also was really good when he came up as a rookie. Um, I didn't take too much of that into consideration, maybe a bit. Uh, but yeah, the one part of this decade that he was here, he was really good. But I also wanted to create some intrigue by seeding him up against Aaron Sanchez, who had, again, following that theme, a really incredible one season and then kind of fell off a cliff with injuries and stuff. <laughs> yeah, and that's exactly what happened. But the fact that Sanchez is, is just ungodly stuff but like we just saw last year even after he got traded it's like yeah oh by the way 
he's hurt again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, and that was unfortunately part of Sean Markham's problems too. For as much of a yeah. bulldog he was, he didn't stay out there to really see the whole thing come together completely. You saw it in a couple of good full seasons, but then it's just like, oh my god, why can't he stay out there? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so my final turn was Brandon Morrow versus Mark Burley. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> <laughs> so that's going to come down to some pretty you got a guy that's – if he had a few more good seasons, Mark Burley could have been at a conversation for Cooperstown with how good he was. And then Brandon Morrow, he's really salvaged his, season, his uh, career here in the bullpen. Just really emphasized the ridiculous amount of talent that he has. And if he is healthy, he is easily one of the best guys that's out there. But – that would be the key part. He could not stay healthy in Toronto because I think there would have been a lot more of those one-hitter 17th strikeout games if he could have actually stayed out there. Oh, yeah. We've seen that in various stints. There was a few really good Marvel ones. I actually, now that you've revealed that matchup to me, I kind of really like where you put Brandon Morrow. Just <laughs> penalize him a bit for that one good year, but the inability to stay healthy. So I think when we go and reveal our master bracket in a few days' time, and we will get some input from our third member of the team, Adam Corsair, when we put this together. But, uh, yeah, I like where you put Brandon Morrow on that list there. But, uh, yeah, that is uh, the starter side of the bracket, Craig, in terms of going through. What do you people don't know where we've seated. Yeah, it's a good question. Um, you know what? Do you want to? Well, yeah, that's exactly where I was thinking, <laughs> my friend. So... You want to go to the I, dumpster I, fire or the good spot then? I kind of want to save the dumpster fire for M so people can realize how bad the outfield was. So we're was. working on a steady <laughs> decline. We started with the one that was the good matchups, yeah. <laughs> where we had some really depth, and then we're going to go into the next <laughs> and so on and so forth. <laughs> so let's go infielders. <laughs> Lead us off, Craig. Lead us off with your 1 versus 16 matchups. It was strange in the feeling you just probably really close to mine, but I had the bringer of rain versus Jose Molina. <laughs> okay, yeah, we now, are very close on that one. <laughs> on that one, do you want to go through the options really quick before we start diving through all this? I, I totally forgot yeah, about Yeah, very that. true, very true. So, Craig, the options in the infielders uh, list, there's some very interesting names on here. Um, Edwin Encarnacion, Yunel Escobar, Jose Molina, Brett Laurie, Alex Gonzalez, Vlad Guerrero Jr., Bo Bichette, Kelly Johnson, Josh Donaldson, Jose Reyes, Russell Martin, Adam Lind, Justin Smoke, Troy Tulowitzki, Devin Travis, and Kevin Biggio. Now, for people at home that are listening to this and being like, why the hell is Bo Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr., and Kevin Biggio included in this list? So, when I totaled it up and we got the top 16, Biggio was actually quite up there. Yep. <laughs> He'd be surprised. His one season was good enough to be part of the top 16. Vlad and Bo's were not, just based on the sample size, but... Craig, we had four catchers in the top 16. In addition to Russell Martin and Jose Molina, John Buck and Jeff Mathis, both here for just one year, cracked the top 16. So I'm like, Which is get out of here. Which is why filter <laughs> that out. And then exactly. who's the next guest, guys? And you get to Bo and Vlad already. <laughs> exactly. So I, I like your math, my friend, because in. this would have been a very fun <laughs> conversation when we're talking about Mathis. 
who had like oh, one home run the whole time he was a blue jay but i can see catchers tend to have a higher war because of the fact that they are such a defensive position exactly. so it unfairly weights this in a conversation like this i think where you are really hoping to talk with guys that are, have a little bit more of a full picture of the ball game or at least have some essence of offense <laughs> <laughs> yeah no completely agree uh, so yeah, that was the list of infielders that we are seeding. As Craig has already said, he is Donaldson in his number one up against Jose Molina. And yes, Craig, we are in agreement. There's another star. Josh Donaldson is my number one seed as well, uh, going up against Kelly Johnson in my 16 seed. And I put Johnson down there because I despised him. I thought he was terrible when he was here, and the numbers back that up. But also oh, the yeah. fact I penalized him very heavily because Aaron Hill was a part of the trade to the Diamondbacks for Kelly Johnson. And I believe John McDonald was a part of that trade, too, a fan favorite. So, yeah. You're, you're, Johnson, you're penalizing him for the fandom screw up. <laughs> exactly, yes. <laughs> so you want to know why I have a personal gripe with Kelly Johnson, but I did rate yeah. him uh, a lot higher than I ever thought I would, just based on the <laughs> references and who else is on this list. I hate Kelly Johnson because I paid almost $100 for a full stadium fathead for my wall in my house. And guess who's on the Jumbotron on that fathead? No. Is, is it Kelly Johnson? <laughs> it is full on Kelly frickin' Johnson. So anytime uh, I'm sitting in my back room looking at this giant six foot by seven foot fathead of the, of the Sky Dome. Yes, I said it. Sky Dome. <laughs> um, <laughs> I have Kelly Johnson's mug on the frickin' Jumbotron in center field. And I'm like, come on, man. <laughs> Could have been any, uh, any other guy from that year when this random jackass took this picture for this fathead. <laughs> but no. No. Kelly Johnson will <laughs> Kelly always Johnson. be a part of it for you. <laughs> He's always there. i got to figure hey, out who? a way I can finagle a picture over it and still make yeah, it look like it's he, there. <laughs> see if he could doctor it a little bit. <laughs> So, but yeah. Well, who do you have coming in at number two against number 15? So I have Edwing versus Bijou. Yes. Ah, okay. Interesting. We are not far off on Bijou. Uh, I also have Edwin at number two, so there's another star. They will be locked into those seeds when we create the master bracket. So you have Edwin going up against Cavan. Where do you have Cavan as a 15 seed? Yeah. Sorry, why? <laughs> I don't know why. You tell me. <laughs> because <laughs> he barely played <laughs> yeah there you go that's fair I have Jose Molina so we're not far off in Jose Molina uh, yeah, Jose Molina uh, probably would be my number 16 uh, but he was really good defensively so I didn't want to put him all the way down to the bottom uh, and yeah I also just didn't like Kelly Johnson so I have Edwin up against Jose Molina in 2 versus 15 so in there. I have to ask because I was at this moral conundrum too and my deciding factor between JD and Edwin was the fact that Donaldson actually could play defense. Because yeah, in all reality, part of it. offensive numbers are not too terribly off when you look at the full tenure of Edwin Encarnacion in the Blue Jay uniform versus the smaller, condensed part of the Josh Donaldson. It's just this shows you how crazy good Josh Donaldson was for those two years. No, you're <laughs> right. You're absolutely right. Even 2017, when he missed time. He still posted some really incredible numbers in 2017. But yeah, the MVP weighed heavily into number one seed. And my bias would have Edwin as number one because he was my favorite 
from all the past years. I like them more than Jose Bautista. Uh, but yeah, I just couldn't put Edwin at number one. And that's also kind of a microcosm, Craig, of his tenure as a Blue Jay because he was always in Jose Bautista's shadow. Uh, and then eventually Josh Donaldson's shadow. Well, that so, and the fact yeah, that, that he was waived by the team at one point. He was technically a twin for like, what, five seconds? And then they're like, no, nah, yeah. we're not going to pay him. And then he came back to us. <laughs> yeah, no, that's exactly right. <laughs> so the fact that we are even talking about it, this with that love affair for somebody that is so damn good, it, it, that's where he started. <laughs> and I'm like, I couldn't believe the day they did wave him. I'm like, how do you, I don't care what he does. The guy with that much pop in the American League East, you fucking let him play. <laughs> you find <Yeah>. his spot. <laughs> it's not rocket science. I don't care if he sits on the bench and does a you know a couple pinch hits a week. He's still going to hit you 30 home runs. <laughs> <laughs> oh, absolutely. So, but yeah, but yeah uh, I had him that's... versus Biggio because I just couldn't put Biggio any, any higher on this list, regardless of that fact of what you just said. Is uh, Biggio's other brothers in the arms here (laughs) I had them a little higher because it's how good they were in spurts where Biggio was Mr. Consistency and it was consistently um, a learning experience it's kind of how I agree good uh, good learning experience good way to put it absolutely so we are in agreement on number one and number two are we going to go three for three in terms of our top three seeds Craig, reveal your number three versus your number 14. I had Justin Smoke versus Devin Travis. We are close, but no, I, we are not. Close, but no me. smoke or cigar? <laughs> yeah, it's uh, <laughs> I have Russell Martin against Alex Gonzalez. What did you, uh, Justin Smoke is your number three. Explain your rationale for Smoke, and then I'll go into mine for Russell Martin. I, I had a big moral conundrum because I had Martin as my next matchup. Oh, so we so, have flipped. <laughs> so we have him flipped, and then I had Kelly Johnson as Martin's backup, or um, okay, part of his conversation there. So I, the only reason I gave Smoke over Martin was the fact that when this team was starting to slide, Justin Smoke put this team on his back and was able to keep this team in the conversation in 20, 2017 a little bit, and he was the biggest offensive pop in the recent when this team was going down and it's kind of a bum rap because in all reality he solidified a spot in 2015 on this team and really made it his oh wait no was it 2016 that we got him back smoke yeah or did we have him yeah for the he, was, he, he was here in 2015 i don't know why i just the, had uh, a mental breakdown of that but i was just thinking <laughs> chris colabello way too much there for a second <laughs> so but yeah i the fact that he was always getting better, and then the fact that, like I said, he just picked this team up and put them on his back and carried them to the point where, hey, this is good stuff, and then he's been good since. So yeah. it was a really hard for somebody that was, for me, to have that big of a window where he was that good in this uniform to knock him any lower than this. Oh, totally fair. That's uh, it's not too dissimilar to why I have him at number four. Uh, on my list in terms of smoke and his matchup in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have Martin at three. Uh, part of it, name, maybe, actually, I'm not sure if this thought ever crossed my mind when I put him at three, uh, is the fact that he is Canadian, uh, but also... <laughs> it checks Russell an extra Martin, box on your ballot. It, it did, yes. <laughs> it, it gave him a little bit of a boost over smoke, but also, you know, the Blue Jays just... It, it, it was, Russell Martin was kind of that swagger that they needed in 2015, and he was a free agent signing that um, Alex Anthopoulos went out and actually opened the purse strings for. Everybody who previously complained 
about Anthopolis was kind of starting to put it to rest when he signed Russell Martin and added that fifth year to make sure that Russell didn't go to the Cubs was a lot of the reason why I had him at three. But just that swagger and the fact that Russell Martin even beforehand was just always consistently on playoff teams and in his first two seasons as a Blue Jay, he uh, rise to the playoffs and helped carry that uh, the uh, the pitching staff to the playoffs. Now, the reason why I'm liking your smoke seed number three is because by the time the 2015 and 2016 playoffs come around, you could just see how tired and dead Russell Martin was to the point where he didn't do anything yeah. in either playoff run. So I do like your seeding of Smoke at number three and Martin at number four for that reason. So my other deciding factor between the two of them was the fact that I chalked them I have always thought of the two of them as great defenders for their positions. So I washed out how good they are on defense in my decision and based it kind of almost purely on offense too. And as good as Russell Martin is on offense, Justin Smoke, like you said, was better for the whole season not having to be a catcher. <laughs> right. Absolutely. That's definitely fair. So, Craig, on the other side of these matchups, we've kind of dived into our three and four since they are split. Um, I have Alex Gonzalez up against Russell Martin at number 14 for kind of similar reasons why you have Kelly Johnson uh, mm-hmm. around uh, the same matchup. And then in four versus 13, I have Smoke against Kevin Biggio, and Biggio also for similar reasons uh, to you putting him at 15. Uh, because he's barely played, but I gave him a bit of a bump, uh, Kevin Bezio, just the fact that we know he's going to be here and probably end up as a two or three seed when we're doing this 10 years from now. <laughs> oh, yeah, probably for the next <laughs> decade. So you're probably 100% right with that. But as far as I, I had, I just couldn't, I couldn't have the heart of putting Bezio above some of the other guys. And like I said, the reason I put Bo and Vladdy in that next tier was the fact that they were just showed insane flashes of why they're going to be the next best baseball players. Uh, I, I no use doubt, that man. as the big thing. You don't have a debut like Boba Shett all the time. <laughs> <laughs> no, absolutely, absolutely. And the fact that Vladdy, for all the people saying he, he had a rough season, he was awful, or whatever the hell everybody wants to say, he had a better rookie performance than any recent rookie I can think of in Major League Baseball other than the elite ones like the the Aaron Judge 50 home run year the what was just Peter Alonzo <laughs> you don't have a guy like that going on Vlad Jr. is in that freaking rookie of the year conversation all day every day but when you have somebody like Glaber Torres that's coming up at the same time and really running away with it in New York you know this is kind of what's gonna happen so I had like I had Alex Gonzalez in my next matchup and uh, I just okay. think it's funny because the first time I read this I went to not this Alex Gonzalez. The other one. The other Alex Gonzalez. <laughs> and I'm like, how the hell does he get into this bracket? And I'm like, oh, that's right. We had the Marlins Alex Gonzalez for one year, and he was really, really good. <laughs> he was, yeah. He was. That's why I think I gave him a 14 seed, that Alex Gonzalez. The Marlins won it because he was only for one year. So I punished him for his time. But you alluded to you have him in your 5 versus 12, I'm assuming coming in at 12. Yes, you, I, you are correct 100% with the 12 part for him, but I had him matched up, funny enough, against another shortstop in Tulo. Oh, you have Tulo there. Okay. Interesting. I have uh, Adam Lind at number five, and I have Vladimir Guerrero Jr. coming in at number 12. Uh, Guerrero coming in, you know, I want to give him a bit, of, a bit of a bump for similar reasons to you, but I also wanted to create some intrigue with this one when I was seeding it, because Lind had a really good start to his career, Craig, in, in the decade before. So 
I really wasn't using that uh, as a reason to seat him so high, but he still was good. Uh, even when he wasn't hitting all those home runs, he was consistent, even though he fell into a bit of a platoon uh, towards the end of his Blue Jays career. I do think Adam Wynn's start of his career, that kind of leaped into 2010 and 2011 uh, a little bit, uh, was the reason why I put Lynn so high. But Vlad, for similar reasons where you, I know already from before we started recording, have him in a similar slot. But yeah, I have Lynn versus Guerrero at five versus 12. People are going to like where I have Vladdy on my matchup, just saying. All right. <laughs> so it's going to be a good one. It's going to so, be some interesting ones here. I had, Lind pretty, I had Lind all the way down at my swing. Oh, so, and, and I penalized nice. him pretty heavily for the fact that he couldn't hit left-handed pitching, especially Fair. during this part of his career. He was Fair. better earlier in the uh, you know the Angry Bird era there when he was winning Silver Slugger awards and whatnot you know, against left-handed hitters or pitchers, I mean, but that fact that he just could not all of a sudden find any way to hit left-handed pitching, it was barely passing the Mendoza line. <laughs> no, yeah, I couldn't, I couldn't give him any higher, especially over some of these other guys that are coming up here on my list. But back to the my Troy Tulowinski versus Alex Gonzalez matchup. Yeah, people really need to stop ragging on Troy Tulowinski. I know the ending of the thing was just not very sweet and how it worked and all the t- terrible hurt injuries, all that kind of stuff. This guy hit some of the biggest home runs in Toronto Blue Jays history in the 2015 playoffs. And people need to remember that. We do not get Troy Tulowinski at that trade deadline. This team looks a lot goddamn different. No, you're absolutely right. And I didn't take that angle into effect before I slotted him, but I'm not too far off no, on where I, I put Tulowinski from you. But, uh, yeah, no, that's, uh, that's all very true. Uh, and that is an intriguing 5 versus 12 uh, in terms of Tulo versus Alex Gonzalez. Uh, Craig, why don't you lead us off with your 6 versus 11? I have, funny enough, I just realized this too. I have another pair of shortstops pitted against each other. <laughs> <laughs> and that's old versus new. I have Jose Reyes versus Bo. Okay, okay. <laughs> so Why Jose is, Reyes at 6? I had him there because just the fact that we didn't have really an igniter in our lineup those few years, and Jose Reyes was that spark at the top of that lineup regardless if he wasn't the Jose Reyes of old with the Mets, the fact that you had somebody fearsome in that lineup at that top of the, that played really well, but he wasn't up to his old MVP, like batting award, you know, levels was kind of disheartening to a lot of people. And the fact that I just couldn't lower him below some of these other names on the list, because after this, I have a couple of guys that I would make argument that are on par with Jose Reyes. And one of those guys is Adam Lind that you were just alluding to. And I just, like I said, he played really well. And then the fact that you turned around him, I gave him plus points for giving me Troy Tulowinski. Yeah, fair. <laughs> absolutely. So I believe, if you are correct, so you have Bobachet at 11? That is correct. And I well, just, we like are... I said, I cannot disregard that ridiculous debut by any player. And, absolutely. And that's why I have him ranked above who I have him above. And that's mind okay. you, that's above Vladdy, too. Yeah, sure, so. absolutely. Well, I have Bo in the eleventh spot as well, so we are aligned there. Oh. He will be locked in on our <laughs> bracket. We are two for two on eleven seeds with Drew Hutchison and Bo Bichette. <laughs> I have Bo up against Brett Laurie. Uh, I had Laurie coming in on number six. Now Laurie, Craig, we all know was extremely, extremely polarizing as a Blue Jay. 
just with the fact that he just would dive into camera wells and get himself injured Red Bull. drink so many Red Bulls. When you go back and look at Brett Lurie's tenure as a Blue Jay, he, I think there was a little bit of expectations that were kind of weighing him down in terms of being able to be who he wanted to be. He was criticized for his play quite often, but Lurie was right around average in a lot of categories. Uh, when you look at the in-depth statistics, he didn't hit for as much power as I thought he was going to, or steal as many bases as I thought. But in the weighted runs created plus department, he was at 103 in his last year as a Blue Jay in 2014. He is at 97 in 2012 and 95 in 2013. So he wasn't a liability, but he also wasn't overly good. And there were a lot of high expectations on Brett Laurie, but Brett Laurie, there was still some room of curiosity because the Oakland Athletics took him on uh, in the Josh Donaldson trade. So I wanted to thank him by giving him a little bit of a higher one by uh, for having Brett Laurie at number six. Throw that out. <laughs> he was also a big trade chip when he got traded to the White Sox, too. Yeah, you're right. I completely <laughs> so, forgot about that. <laughs> it was one of those guys that it just it was just, where is it going to happen? Because you saw it in glimpses. That debut in Baltimore was legendary. So, and, and then he just, it never never plateaued there like you thought it was going to and you never saw the full what i thought was going to be brett laurie and maybe that was unfair for all of us to put that on him but the fact that he did play the game the way he did play made me very excited and i never thought in a million years that it was going to turn out the way it did i figured worst case scenario he was going to be a very salvageable major league hitter for a long time yep i i thought that too for sure I think it was a little disappointing at the end of it, but uh, the fact that he got a Strauss balance and, and he wasn't terrible either. I think people got to realize that Brett Laurie, um, he had a lot that didn't go his way. Uh, he dealt with a lot of injuries as a result of his play, but is there anything else you want to mention it, on your, uh, he wasn't terrible. No, do you, I, well, I got, I got to mention it about mine with where Brett Laurie is for the next one, but I didn't know if you wanted to yeah. go on your part. Yeah, done. We can go to 7 verse 10. <laughs> I'm assuming you have Laurie in your 7-10. I do, and he's in my 7. Versus Vlad. Okay. In Vlad in my 10. Okay. So Excellent. So you got the guy, both guys with insane expectations. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> same that's, that's very fair. Yeah. So one I, we've only seen a little bit of so far, but his minor league career should boast well, well above what Brett Laurie did in his minor league stint and in his Blue Jays tenure. So this is going to be interesting to see where fans pick that one because they were both fan fra- they're both fan favorites at times. So Yeah, and I, I like that matchup a lot more than my 7-10 when it comes down to it. <laughs> Play it on me, man. What I do you have, got? I have two low at 7 going up against Devin Travis at 10. Um, and this one I wanted to create some intrigue as well because when I was putting together my seedings, I thought that, okay, I know Devin Travis was a fan favorite. is a really good kid. But I want to know if that would outshine with the voters what Tulo did here as a Blue Jay. Yeah. Now, the reason why I put Tulo much lower than you did uh, is because I did penalize him a little bit more for the way his Blue Jays tenure ended. Not his fault. He was injured. But just asking to get traded and throwing some subtle shade at the Blue Jays last year when he was with the Yankees in spring subtle. training. Uh, all of that. So subtle? That is why I have Tulo. Yeah, subtle, oh. right? <laughs> so that is my 7-10. It's two yeah. over Devin Chavis. No, I know we're not too far off on that one either, but it, no, it's interesting not. to see that, you know, where you penalize and where I penalize players, and that's where a lot of this fun is in this conversation has been. 
and that you're seeing a little bit old and new in that one too. So, what was yeah. your swing? My swing was Jose Reyes against you know Escobar. <laughs> so I have <laughs> Reyes at eight and you know Escobar at nine. Both controversial shortstops. You know how I can't remember if the Jose Reyes story um, about um, uh, I believe he had similar allegations or he had de- domestic abuse yes, allegations. Domestic I'm violence. not sure. Yes, and then you know uh, Escobar yeah. apparently uh, writes certain things on his eye black that should never be <laughs> never said. Period. Yeah. Let alone written down. <laughs> <laughs> right. So I, I, put, I, I wanted to. <laughs> yeah. Go ahead. Two short stuff with controversy against each other, <laughs> which is ironic on how I've I've lumped my swing guys together was Lind and Escobar, and I put, the, I put the two. Yes, I had uh, eight and nine for Lind and okay. Escobar, and I did that because they were both. Pro- they ended up both ending their Blue Jays tenure as locker room problems. Yeah, very both true. So, where Adam Lind's work ethic was brought into question at the end of his career, and rightfully so, because it sounded like he wasn't doing the work he should have been doing to, you know, maintain major league status, and then you know, you know Escobar just kind of being. Uh, I guess the nicest way of being is a shitbag all of a sudden. (laughs) I hate to be that guy because he was pretty good, but I just can't lump him into anything after that. And that's why I had him at my swing because I just didn't really know what to do with him. Yeah, no, I'm very similar. That's why I I have him at nine too. So that's where he'll fall when, uh, when we open this up to voters and we put it to the test. So yeah, we both have controversial against controversial in eight versus nine <laughs> for different reasons, but similar at the same time. Yep. So, so we've gone through starters and infielders. Shall we stick with the offensive side or should we go back to some, I guess, happier times with relievers? I think you want to go happier. You said you wanted to end on the dumpster dive. It's going to take do, five, yeah. five minutes to go through our outfield, I think. <laughs> so this column, Craig, in terms of relievers, there's some interesting names on here as we go through. Uh, Roberto Osuna, boo. Uh, Tyler Clippard, Ryan Tapera, Brett Cecil, Aaron Loop, Casey Jansen, Sung Wan O, Joe Smith, Scott Downs, Steve Delabar, Joe Biagini, Darren Oliver, Jason Fraser, Liam Hendricks, Ken Giles, and Dominic Leone. Very similar, Craig, I think, just in terms of when you think of some of those names when they come out, similar to the starters in that regard, but. Why don't you lead us off with your 1 verse 16. Who did you slot up at the top? I have one of my personal favorites, and I just think that he was one of the better closers that we've had and doesn't get a good rap for some reason, a bunch of Elijah Blue, Blue, bunch Blue Jays fans. But when people bring him up, they're like, oh, my God, I love him. And that's Casey Jansen. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then I had him against Joe Smith. but Joe Smith. Joe Smith, I can only say so much because he was there for five minutes, and I can't believe he makes this list. With the, <laughs> that just shows you how we've just had the revolving door of relievers over the last decade. And somebody like, Dan, like Casey Jansen. Yeah, I almost did the opposite of what I used to do. <laughs> so, Casey Jansen was one of those guys that rose to the top and took over this bullpen, man. He was the guy for a long time. And honestly, it hurt me to see him go to Washington but I was also insanely relieved at the same time that the Blue Jays didn't throw a brick of money at him after how he couldn't stay healthy with the Washington Nationals and ended up just kind of fizzling out. So, But the only thing I've ever won in my life was a 
signed Casey Jansen baseball when I was down <laughs> in, down at spring training in 2014. <laughs> my, oh, name came, my name came over the loudspeaker. I got back to the seats with my dad, and he goes, you know, you really should give that ball to this kid behind us. And I'm like, screw that. <laughs> it's the first thing I've ever won in my life. If I get a foul ball, I'll give it to the kid. Not even <laughs> 10 minutes later, a ball comes over, and I barehanded it and handed it to the kid. <laughs> and I looked at my dad and said, see, I'm not all awful. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a good story. And you are 100% correct with how you sum up Casey Jansen's Blue Jays tenure. And just, he, he falls under the radar, and I'm not sure if that's because he wasn't a part of the 2015 and 2016 teams, and then he went off to the Nationals and fizzled out as you mentioned, but he was damn good as a closer for a few years there with the Blue Jays. He was really good as a uh, starter before the injuries that settled in, too. He I was. really thought he was going to be that fifth guy in our rotation for the longest time, but it just it made so much more sense to move him when he was having trouble staying on the field to the bullpen. And it paid off in a big way. Big, big um, way. We're not far off on that, and I'm actually starting to wonder if our – one verse sixteen and two verse fifteen are completely the same matchup, but just in different plots. Because I have Brett Cecil at number one, yep. just because he was really, really damn good for a long uh, time, and, too. For a long time, absolutely. Even as a starter, Brett Cecil fixture. was good. Exactly. Uh, and then Tyler Clippard at sixteen. Um, Clippard did have a full year with the Blue Jays, but it wasn't spectacular. It wasn't terrible. So the fact that Joe Smith. Um, had a really good five minutes here uh, <laughs> is why I put him a little bit higher than a 16 and put Clippard there. Yep. But I do have Casey Jansen coming in in the next one at number two for the exact same reasons you said against Joe Smith at 15. Um, so who do you have at, uh, who do you have at two versus 15? I have, we literally have our one and two flipped because I have Brett Cecil <laughs> at number two because of just he was so good for so long. But the fact that he never really stepped into that elite role was the reason I couldn't give him the number one like you did. But the fact that he, like I said, he was another guy that was going to be a starter. That he, this is a guy that I think he had ten wins the one season he pitched for the Blue Jays as a starter, and then it just made so much more sense for him because of how he just dominated left-handed. Hit, uh, left-handed hitters to be able to just mow him down, and then the fact that he was able to all of a sudden, you know, he could get everybody out because of his repertoire. I had him against Dominic Leone because Dominic Leone, yes, he had that one great season, but he was turned around and sold at a high value. <laughs> yeah, and uh, it worked out for us. It did uh, in terms of getting Randall Grichik, yeah. uh, who will be interested to see where he comes in there. But yeah, uh, we're one, we're reversed on one and two, so we'll see where Adam Corsair has either of them and see if he agrees with one of us. Uh, I know he loves Casey Jansen there. too, so I imagine he's probably at least in the same ballpark <laughs> as us. I would imagine so. Uh, and I think, Craig, in terms of the next matchup, when we move to 314, in terms of me, my number three is somebody who should be number one, but the way his tenure ended as a Blue Jay uh, is why I have Osuna down at three. Um, I penalized him for being a piece of shit. <laughs> um, but I also had to realize Craig, Tell me how you really feel about it <laughs> <laughs> I had to realize and give him a good seating Because he was awesome When he was here He probably still should be with this team If he wasn't a dirtbag But I have Osuna at 3 going up against Sun Wan Oh at 14 And for similar reasons uh, To why I have Joe Smith at 15 Is I wanted to give us uh, Oh a bit of a boost 
because he did have a really good half season here before getting shipped off to Colorado. So I had, and I am looking at this, and I'm wondering if I accidentally screwed up because I actually meant to have Roberto Osuna, funny enough, against San Juan O as well. <laughs> and I think I flipped <laughs> things around by accident because there's no way in hell I would have rated Jason Frazier, I always ba- you know put in here back backwards. <laughs> I would never put him that low as I like Jason Frazier. So I gotta f- do some flip floppy here, but yes, that is what I meant to have <laughs> with San Juan. Yeah, funny yeah, enough yeah. against Roberto Osuna. Okay, so we are locked in there. That will be a matchup that is set in stone. Roberto Osuna against San Juan, and I'm assuming for very similar reasons to me. Very similar. And um, the fact that you turn around and use San Juan O to get something really good, too. Exactly. It works out too well. So let's see if we can continue our fun and, and have another locked-in matchup. Four versus 13. Reveal away, Craig. So this is where I meant to have Jason Frazier. <laughs> <laughs> and I had him versus Clip. Okay, so you have Clippard at 13 and Jason Frazier at 4. Interesting. We very much differ on Jason Frazier, by the way. Not because I hate him. But uh, you, I'll, I'll explain my rationale for where I put Jason yeah, yeah. Frazier in a bit. Well, I'll, I'll give you mine <laughs> now, and I'll let you get the, get the Frazier in your part here in a minute. I put Jason Frazier because as far as that time goes, we were having a shortage of guys that could even just finish off games, and that was somebody like Jason Frazier had to step up, and I just gave him a lot of credit for that, for keeping the Blue Jays even in the conversation in the you know ridiculous standing that we always were behind the Yankees and Red Sox. And I think a lot of that was credit to him and a couple other guys on this list. And I'm just giving Absolutely. him the the end of the role because he was more or less the closer during that time. No, you're absolutely right. I uh, I have Ryan Tapera for against Darren Oliver at 13. Tapera was good for quite a few seasons in a row there. He established himself fully in the bullpen, more so in 2017, but a little bit in 2016, even at a cup of coffee in 2015 where he was okay. But uh, I have to pair it for because he was really good at the end of his Blue Jays career. Mm-hmm. Um, and I wish him all the best with the Cubs. But Darren Oliver for basically falling into the exact same reasoning proceedings with Joe Smith and Sun 1-0. I put Oliver at 13 because he was really damn good that one year, but it was only for one year. So that is my four versus 13. So... Okay, what's your uh, five verse whatever number I forget? <laughs> I'll be yeah five verse twelve. I'll be very interested to see if we agree on this one. I have Ken Giles coming in at number five uh, yeah. against Dominic Leone coming in at twelve. So we half hit. I got Ken Giles, and then Scott Downs. Scott Downs. Okay, so we're not far away on Scott Downs. <laughs> so as much as I love Scott Downs, he ended up being it was like the guy. What do you where do you put him? And that was Scott Downs was just he was in and out of the rotation and then into the bullpen. He was always really good in the bullpen. They tried, they kept flip flopping him back and forth. I think it broke him. <laughs> but then Ken Giles is just so good. I know we've only had him for a while now, but he's been really good when he's out on the mound and he has been lights freaking out. And <laughs> when he does go out yeah. for a save. Yes, there might be some stuff mi- around that, but meh, I'm fine with that. 100 Miles Giles, baby. 100 Miles Giles. <laughs> that so, was my favorite nickname. <laughs> yeah, there you go. So just, a, just enough difference. <laughs> right, absolutely. Hey, uh, Leon, uh, and again, a lot of these guys are all for very similar reasons, but Leon's one season here was really good, and I gave him a better seed than I probably should have mm-hmm. uh, because he ended up turning into Randall Gritchick. But we agree on five, uh, Leon at 12, 
and you have Scott Downs at 12. So I was wrong. We actually differ quite a bit on Scott Downs because he comes in at number six for me against Liam go. Hendricks at 11. There you go, fan. I can see why you have Hendricks where he is. And I can make the argument for Downs too, but like I said, it's just, it's, I couldn't, I don't know where to place him on this list because he was back and forth so often. Right, right. Who do you have at six versus 11? I have Ryan Tara, Ryan Tapera versus Darren Oliver. Ah, so we're not far on that one. We well, have was that the, the exact same, same matchup. matchup? <laughs> it was, yeah. It's a pair of four and Oliver thirteen. So we'll so, figure that one out. <laughs> I guess we're just going to call that a lock in, but it's going to be seeding difference. <laughs> take the yes. take the average. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> so we've already talked about those guys. As much as I love Ryan Tapera, um, I wish that we were going to get the chance to see him pitch a little bit more in a Blue Jay uniform before I could have really put him up on this list any higher. But I can't. I, he had to be above the next couple guys I had on this list. And oh, Darren absolutely. Oliver being lights out when we needed him, I think that was the one of the unsung trades of 2015. Yeah, completely agree. So 7 versus 10, Craig, who do you have in your 7 against your number 10? I'm going to try and raise the bar with Delabar against Joe Idream <laughs> and Biagini. And I think I was. Ah. I just think it's hilarious that I got the two guys with good nicknames right next to each other. That's <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. I do not see uh, a Lunar Kawasaki anywhere on any of these lists, though. I'm slightly upset. <laughs> uh, I almost debated putting him in there just to see how far he would go, but then I would be worried that when people would see him, that he would just win <laughs> on a popularity I'm contest Japanese! alone. <laughs> <laughs> do you remember the? Have... Do you remember the game that we were playing with a couple of the other Blue Jays podcasters and writers? The Take two Blue Jays affiliated people and name a name the podcast. Do you remember oh. that? I'm one of the ones that I had used, and that might be a fun game we can re- resurrect on Twitter as well. But the two guys I chose were Munari Kawasaki and Mark DeRosa having their own podcast and calling it "I Think I'm Turning Japanese." Right. <laughs> who was that with? I remember the conversation. I just can't remember who it was with. It was. Goofed off out of me and Ryan DeFrancesco goofing around on Twitter during a ball game, <laughs> and then we ended up starting goofing around back and forth, tossing na- uh, tossing names and podcasts, and it was it ended up being really fun. So, another one random stupid one that I had was getting Jason Grilly, which I'm surprised didn't make this list either. Um, and then uh, David Wells, I call it the boomer, ah. the boomer with cheese. Right, yes. <laughs> I remember this conversation now. <laughs> so I just had to bring that up because I thought it was a funny conversation. So we'll oh, get that back together as far as nicknames and goofing goes. But, yeah, I had Steve Delabar and Joe Biagini in that spot. Okay, so you had Delabar at seven, correct? Correct. Because I have him at eight. But in my seventh slot, I have Joe Biagini. So in the same kind of bracket, you just have it reversed with Biagini's your ten. Flipping scene. Uh, against Jason Fraser, I put at ten. And it's only because... Even though Jason Fraser was very incredible, the reason why I put him so low is because it was at the very, very beginning of this decade before he went off to the White Sox, I believe. Correct. Um, at 2011, maybe he was only here in 2010. Mm-hmm. But regardless, his tenure was really good. So I wanted to give him a higher seed, but I just couldn't put him above some of the other guys who had a little bit of a better and longer tenure than Jason yeah. Fraser. Not, or is it just because I've been using Jason Fraser as the... Uh, how should I say this, butt end of my Blue Jays emotions for years on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> He's stressing me out, but I love him. 
<laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. He does definitely somebody who would stress you out out there. He just could not lock it down sometimes. Exactly. Or he would get some runners on and finally find a way to escape out of the jam <laughs> and be like, oh, thank God, you crazy man. <laughs> there you go. So, good so, stuff. Eight versus nine on the wraparound before we move on to the outfield, which people will get a kick out of some of the names on the outfield list. Who do you have coming in at eight versus nine? I have Loop versus Hendricks. Ah, so we are similar on Loop because I have him at number nine. You have him at eight? Yep. And I got Delabar at eight, eight versus nine. There you go. <laughs> and my reasoning for putting Loop here was the fact that he – when he was good, he was good for a good while as a Blue Jay. Yes. I'm trying to seriously take the, what I saw of him in Buffalo out of my math because <laughs> I never thought in a million years he would ever make his way back to the major leagues again. That's how awful he was one day when he was here against the Rochester Red Wings. It, it, it literally looked like that scene from uh, Bull Durham where he literally threw the ball at the bull and nailed him in the head. It was that wild. Or, you know, Charlie Sheen taking the you know piece off the metal cutout. It was that wild, and I don't know what was going on. I'm like, this guy can't hit water if he threw, you know, fell out of the boat. It was that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're absolutely right, which is why I have him seated in the similar bracket, just reversed. Oh, well, you got it. But yeah, no, Loop uh, was extremely frustrating. But as you also give me credit, uh, which I will too, his one season – Funny enough, how many one-hit wonders this team has had over the last decade. That one season of Aaron Luke was really damn good. And then yeah. he kind of started to put it back together towards the end of his Blue Jay tenure, which got us Jacob Wagers talk. Which all right works out. And on the flip yeah. of that, Liam Hendricks ends up being one of the best closers in baseball. And we, started know, right? seeing the, um, we started seeing the the buildup for this Aussie, but... <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I was honestly, I was like, this is going to be one that's going to hurt us with letting him go. And looking back at this, it's like, okay, we could have had a bullpen with him and Ken Giles at the back of it. Oh, imagine. I remember the R.A. Dickey start against Kansas City where he has got rocked. And Liam Hendricks kept it somewhat close. And the Blue Jays started a bit of a clawback in yep. that game four. And it was Hendricks who was cleaning up the mess and kept it where it was. Yeah, he right the ship. I was like, thank you. Yeah, he did right the ship. It almost spurred a comeback until they didn't, and they brought in the rest of the bullpen. <laughs> I was wondering what was going to be the big thing for him, and obviously something in Oakland triggered it. And I just knew there was some talent there that I wasn't expecting him to be a closer, especially to this kind of clip. But, oh, my God, I never thought in a million years he wouldn't be anything but a setup guy at, at a minimum if he found that last oh, yeah. piece to his repertoire and uh, he obviously has found it in spades so. absolutely well Craig that is the reliever side of the bracket we have an identical matchup for the first time tonight with Roberto Asuna and Sun Lano in the 314 <laughs> we also have a very similar matchup just not seated in the same one so that's it Ryan Tatera Darren Oliver so they will be together in the bracket, we have Giles at five. So I think that was our best one in terms of matching it up together. Ooh. So the last one, and wait until you hear some of these names on here, Craig. It just makes you realize how piss poor the Blue Jays outfield has been in 2010. And if not for Jose freaking Batista, this outfield would be a joke. <laughs> the loftiest of expectations and greatness all the way to what literally looks like a dollar buy at, you know, dollar general or <laughs> something and, and anything and everything in between. And I just don't know how I can get any better with some of these equations that are put into this. And it made me, this is where I spent all my time 
when you sent me the list. I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. How does right? this add up in this fashion? Because there's something that's a rise here. <laughs> uh, I will say as we go through this list and reveal who made the top 16, there were a lot of guys who, when uh, I added them in here, I was like, so the move at the time made sense. And I'm specifically <laughs> focusing on like a Rajay Davis or a Michael Saunders or a Melky Cabrera. So there's three right there. But in addition to those three, Craig, we have Jose, obviously, Fred Lewis, Eric Thames, Kevin Pillar, Mike McCoy. Yes, Mike McCoy, who played everywhere, had a lot of games in the outfield. <laughs> and was basically on the feel- short bus between Vegas and, and uh, Toronto. Uh, <laughs> how badly do you think Mike McCoy got pissed off when he saw that the partnership with Buffalo was there? To be like, oh, I like couldn't make the left. car. Yeah. <laughs> so just to throw it out there, Mike McCoy might have made more money in frequent flyer miles than he did for his major league contract those years. Just saying. I, I fully believe it. I fully, fully believe it. But yeah, Mike McCoy made this outfield list from his time that he spent there. <sighs> Ezekiel Carrera, Colby Rasmus, Travis Snyder, Vernon Wells, Anthony Ghost, Melky Cabrera, as I already said, sorry, uh, T. Oscar Hernandez. Randall Gritchick and Lourdes Goriel Jr. in addition to Davis um, and Saunders, who I referred to already. Yes. So um, I don't think we're differing on number one, and I don't think there's any rationale for the person to not be number one. So I think we already know who's there. <laughs> You're telling me it's Mike McCoy. Yeah, Mike McCoy was my number one seed against Jose Bautista in 16. <laughs> oh, it's opposite day. I get it. Yes, opposite day. Exactly. <laughs> so I, so just to put it lightly, I had Jose against Eric Thames. And I, I, the reason we're making fun of the obvious here is the fact that Jose Bautista has meant everything to this organization over the last decade and some. There's no better yeah. way of saying it. And this is not even I, – I don't even – you know, the bat flip is the epic moment for him, obviously, and I, I'm glad he got that moment. But, oh, my God, he has been a wrecking ball for the American League for like the easy a decade yeah 100 percent. and i'm going to be interested to see because i have a feeling that at the end of all this craig it will end up being bautista who's voted by the fans depending on how the matchups play out but i'm i think more so just for the discussions over the next few weeks in terms of who moved on and maybe the rationale for the way the fans voted that'll be more so the intrigue even if bautista does end up winning it's ultimately deserved but, yes, he's number one. And you said, sorry, Eric Thames at 16? Correct. Okay. Uh, I had Fred Lewis at 16, and I wasn't far off with where I put Eric Thames. I had Fred, Fred Lewis, Lewis in my next matchup, but I'm going <laughs> to give this to the Blue Jays fans. Fred Lewis is the Anthony Alford from the beginning of the decade. You are so right with that, because <laughs> Fred Lewis and Anthony Alford are very similar oh with their God, tools. so athletic. <laughs> I, I was... I was sitting here, I was, you know, I, I was playing, I think it was MVP baseball at the time, but Fred Lewis ended up being a wrecking ball through my, you know, based on the potential stuff in that, like my MLB, the show rating started on like, you know, if you were going to put that into that ballpark at a 50. And by the time I was four or five seasons in, he was in my eighties and he was one of my better players. <laughs> and so oh, yeah. it was, this, this is how the kind of talent that Fred Lewis had. It just never came together, and I really, like I said, I hate comparing him to Anthony Alford, but right now that's exactly what's going on, and I hope Anthony Alford gets a better shake than Fred Lewis got. No, you're right, and it's very similar. Yeah, I uh, 
Fred Lewis, I think, was kind of a fan favorite in a way in terms of the fact that everybody was excited. They brought him in because of the potential. that just never panned out, which is why I put him at 16 and why you put him at 15, all for very similar reasons. But, yeah, we have it exactly reversed because yeah. I have Eric Thames at 15. Uh, who is your number two going up against uh, Fred Lewis? V-dubs. Yeah, for well, okay. <laughs> so I have to mention one thing about Eric Thames, though, in the midst of this conversation. Yeah, absolutely. This is a completely different Eric Thames to everybody that didn't get to see him play at this part of the decade for the Blue Jays. Looks right. identical. Just a yeah. massive human being. <laughs> but he couldn't hit. He was playing a decent outfield. It was kind of one of those things where he played his bat didn't carry him enough to play him in the outfield. So what did he do? Goes over to Korea, comes back and hits way too many home runs for the Milwaukee Brewers. I I said when that was happening, I said the Blue Jays really, 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 really need to be paying him and bringing him back to Toronto. And I would have been right if the Blue Jays signed him because we would have actually had a solid all-around outfield with post-Korea. Eric Thames with Bautista and company <laughs> in the outfield. Imagine that lineup with having Eric Thames play oh. left field behind Edwin and Bautista and Martin and everybody. That would have oh, been yeah. insane. Even if he even if he only bats two sixty and hits twenty home runs, it would have been nuts. <laughs> so, but when he was batting a buck thirty <laughs> to begin the decade with the Blue Jays, the pop was there, but he just couldn't hit enough consistently to get me out of the basement on this argument. And I gave Fred Lewis the edge because of that potential that we unfortunately didn't get to see. Yeah, no, that's very fair. And you know what? I was going through, and we did the F4 totals and, and started to get people in here. Uh, there were some who had better totals than Eric Thames, like a Chris Colabello. But the reason why I had Thames in here instead of Colabello or a Danny Valencia, both of those who just missed the cut, was because they also played other positions primarily. But Thames had a much, uh, he had a bigger sample size. But if Thames was not worth a thing to the Blue Jays in his one stint here, he was worth exactly zero. He didn't hurt them, he didn't help them. So I like where you have Thames and Fred Lewis. I probably will reverse it myself, uh, or it will be interesting to see if Adam Corsell helps us reverse either matchup. So who you have as your number two seed then? Uh, I come Pilar. Um, And Pilar. Very overrated, uh, but his defense was incredible. Uh, Which is where most years. of the war came from. Exactly, it was. Other than 2015, where he actually did look somewhat competent at the plate, but Pilar, fan favorite, um, and the fact that he was one of the most valuable outfielders on this entire list uh, is was shocking to me, uh, considering some of the other names that could have and probably should have been better. Uh, if not for the defense, Pilar... May not have made this list, but the fact that he was a fan favorite, I think, uh, pulled, pulled a lot of weight into my decision to put him at number two. Okay, so did you have Vernon Wells in number three then? No, yeah, oh, I, I am completely opposite. Okay. I am completely opposite of Vernon Wells. <laughs> so, <laughs> You'll see where I have him. My biggest thing is, yes, Vernon Wells didn't live up to the contract that he signed, but look at those teams in those years. He was still one of the best contributing players on those rosters. With yeah. those years he played, and that's why I had him ranked above Kevin Pillar, who I had in my third spot. So I had V Dubs versus Fred Lewis in my second spot, and then in my my third, I had Kevin Pillar versus Mike McCoy. Okay, 
So actually, yeah, I have Mike McCoy at fourteen as well. So hey. Mike McCoy will be locked in the fourteen points. Um, <laughs> Pilar not too far off in our rankings. Uh, I have Kobe Rasmus uh, at three. Uh, but before I get into that, why do you have Pilar at three? For similar reasons to me, or is it a little bit different? I couldn't rank him above Vernon Wells when Vernon Wells was also a plus center fielder as a defenseman, and then he actually could hit his weight. Yeah, <laughs> very fair. <laughs> so uh, I'm, I was trying not to let too much of the previous decade of Vernon Wells bleed into this conversation, but the fact that, like I said, he was a main contributor on those teams when, that he did play on in this decade. Right. Is why I had him ranked above Kevin Pillar. Kevin Pillar, I have him in my third seed because he had just enough offense with a gold, what should have been a gold glove caliber center fielder. Right. No, yeah, I, I don't disagree with that. Yeah, I know, right? <laughs> <laughs> Imagine how many more gold clubs Kevin Pillar would have if not for Kevin Giermeyer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> so I put Rasmus at three because there's another guy who just had so much talent and just couldn't put it together, except for that one season. There was one really good season that Colby Rasmus was a shade below a four-win player. Mm-hmm. And when you get up to four-win players on fan graphs, that's getting into the very good range. Not elite, but very good. Uh, and Rasmus had one of those years here for the Blue Jays. Um, so I weighted that kind of heavily. I also probably had a little bit of bias here, um, but Rasmus also had a little bit of a longer tenure than some of the other guys who I have seated below uh, Colby and like the four and five matchups as we'll get into in a bit. But I like Colby Rasmus. I think he got a little bit of an unfair shake here. But at the same time, he didn't exactly help his case with his demeanor um, and just how he carried himself off of the field. And having his daddy help didn't help either. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, which is why it all fell apart in St. Louis and we got him. <laughs> yeah. Oh, sorry, did I say that? <laughs> How's this Amish beard? That's my question. <laughs> oh, God, I don't even want to know what so, Amy's doing right now. <laughs> on MLB The Show, like. they still have him as a free agent, and it has that picture on it. Oh, God, but it's still there. <laughs> that was his last player photo, so it's going to live on in infamy until he officially retires on every baseball outlet. <laughs> so I guess he hasn't officially filed his retirement papers because the last time, the only thing I see when I look up Colby Rasmus on fan graphs is Rasmus is, quote, done and enjoying life, John Hames says. <laughs> yep. But I guess the retirement papers haven't officially been submitted because he is only 33. I suppose so, he could come back and do something. Just to throw that out there, that's about where his work ethic is. <laughs> yeah, not, not fully there. I was like, eh, I'm not fully retiring. Yeah, yet. <laughs> yeah, Everybody knows what I'm doing. <laughs> exactly. So, so, Craig, I'm interested to see where some of these next guys fall because there are some who I could make a case to maybe rank above Colby but just didn't have a long enough sample size here. Who did you have at 4 versus 13? I had, I had Melky versus Zeke. Okay, and, I have Melky at four as well. Okay, so I and the reason I have Melky above Rasmus on my side is because Melky was just that damn good those couple of years for the Blue Jays, and I couldn't put him down any lower on this list, especially when I was looking at who was on the list. <laughs> it's yeah. like okay, I attacked it from the ballpark of who had the best period overall performance, regardless of sample size. Melky Cabrera was a force for the Blue Jays, and honestly, I was really sad to see him go because he ended up having a few more good years in an outfield where we could have really used a left fielder. 
Yeah, could you imagine Melky if he stayed around for the 2015 season? Uh, that's that's like, that same argument that I made with if you went out and shot for Eric Thames when you should have. It's yeah. having a real yeah. center fielder or a real left fielder versus somebody like Chris Colabello that you can watch him hit, but he's going to kick the ball around the outfield a little bit. Yeah. No, I, I have him in the exact same spot for the exact same reason. Uh, his 2013, where everything went wrong for the Blue Jays in terms of injuries, even the fact that he could barely swing a bat because of his bad back, he still managed to hit 279. <laughs> and then when he was fully healthy, and then had a really good 2014, and that was one of his best seasons in the big leagues where he was worth 3.1 wins. There's only two seasons where Melky Cabrera was better. Uh, but yeah, no, Melky uh, was fantastic in 2014, and for the exact same reason as you, that's why I have him at number four. Uh, didn't give 13, him some extra though. points on my list for completely screwing over the uh, Red Sox earlier in his career as a Yankee. So that was oh, nice yes. that was one of the <laughs> still one of the best catches in World Series baseball or uh, oh, playoff I'm, baseball. I mean, because that was just that's right. insane <laughs> when Melky was playing center field. <laughs> yeah, just remember that he was that good to play center field at one point. And that's how fast his body kind of was crapped out on him, and why he yeah he, HGH <laughs> to get in he, San Francisco. He kind of got bigger rather quickly to the point where he couldn't move and play center field anymore. <laughs> so, but he was really good with the Blue Jays, and that honestly that that dugout clicked really well with him, Jose, and company. And there was a there was a good amount of swagger that he brought to that equation with the Blue Jays in 2014, and it was sad to see him leave. But and that, like you said, it would have been really nice to see him linger around for that extra season. That might have been the last thing we really needed to push us over the hurdle against a team that, funny enough, was one of his old employers too in the Kansas City Royals. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, you're right. The 2014 team that Melky was probably one of the best players on uh, could have and probably should have if they didn't just completely flame out at the end of August, right. make the playoffs. So, uh, that Blue Jays team was in a playoff spot until mid-August, and then it just kind of all derailed yep. after that. So, And then I had so, him against Ezekiel Carrera because I just think his pop culture push and bringing the actual parrot to the dugout was you know, humorous enough to put him on the side. But in all reality, exactly. that's where this list all of a sudden goes to shit. We have a lot yeah. of fourth and fifth outfielders on this list that are on normal, you know, our starting outfielders because of how thin we were in those outfield spots. Oh, God, no, you're absolutely right. And that's why five was tough for me against six and seven and eight with where I have these guys. Um, Craig, in my 13, really quickly, I have Anthony Ghost. Uh, I put him there because that was, despite his crazy speed, uh, Ghost was another one of the disappointments. But now we're seeing him come back as a pitcher and he was looking really damn good in spring training He's for I believe the, it was the Tigers. Team, yeah, the Indians, I think, right? Indians, you're right. Yes, and he so, was throwing and touching like 98. <laughs> yeah, and I saw him actually. Funny enough, when I was at a Lansing Lugnuts game two years ago, and I'm like, oh my god, it's Anthony Ghost. He was pitching for the uh, <laughs> crap. Who who just traded Jeter Downs to the uh, Red Sox? It was the Dodgers, oh, right? Uh, uh, yeah, it was, yes. it, was the bull, it was the Moogie Betts trade. So, because I remember I got to see Jeter, Jeter Downs in that game go just completely postal on a ball over the left field wall. And then I saw Anthony Ghost pitching a game with them. <laughs> I'm like, what the hell is going on? I'm seeing top prospects of old. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I admit, I was very intrigued by the gas he had, but he couldn't control it. 
So if he's taking that next step for the Indians, good power on him, man. This is a guy that was yeah. the last bit of the Roy Halladay trade <laughs> for most Blue Jays fans that is actually playing in Major League Baseball. Yeah, it's crazy how Ghost is still only 29, so he could still make a nice little career as a reliever if he's able to stick. He's but the reverse Ricky Keel. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> but yeah, Ghost, just a little bit too much of a disappointment to me, and I penalize him heavily for that. But yeah, yeah we're in agreement on Melky. So I wonder if we're in agreement on number five. Who is your five this year twelve? No, five and twelve were actually funny enough. Two guys we were just talking about had Colby Rasmus versus Anthony Ghost. Oh, okay. <laughs> so ironic. <laughs> what was yours? I have Michael Saunders at five against Travis Snyder at twelve, and now I think I know. Well, actually, this is going to be interesting because Rasmus, as my three and your five, would be exactly in the middle to be number four, but we've agreed on Melky there. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see so where Corsair has him. And everything crap. <laughs> so. so if Corsair has Colby Rasmus at four, then we're in a little bit of trouble. <laughs> that's exactly in the middle. That would be our <laughs> but, yeah, I, That's how these things work. Yeah, I, have, I have Saunders at five against Travis Snyder at 12. <laughs> yeah. So that's a pretty good one. I, I agree with that because a lot, like we were saying, a lot of this is going to be a constant Russian roulette after this. And oh, yeah. it's just going to be whatever spray and pray happens on this piece of paper <laughs> for what's left. I had in that matchup for the next one here, I had Teoscar Hernandez versus Rajay Davis. Okay. So that's your five versus 12 or sorry, six versus six 11. Six versus 11. Yes. So, so wait, sorry. Who's at your six and who's at your 11? I have Teoscar and then Rajay Davis. Okay, I have Davis at eleven. Uh, I miss on Teoscar by one uh, okay. at seven. I have, I have Grichik here instead of Grichik. Grichik at so six. we have that reversed. I have Grichik <laughs> next. <laughs> so the reason I put Teoscar over Grichik is the fact that there's just insane amount of power, and you can make the argument they're both identical to the fact yeah. that they swing and miss at everything. But the fact I. I honestly am more intrigued at this point by the pure pop of Teoscar Hernandez versus Randall Gretschik. And I really think that's partly because I don't think that that Teoscar Hernandez is actually going to be in this outfield conversation much longer. No, I don't either. I think if uh, Teoscar has a similar kind of switch to Edwin, that that could unlock it for Teoscar when he doesn't have to worry about defense anymore. Uh, But yeah, very similar reasons. Uh, I think we have almost identical seedings on both of them for the exact same reason. <laughs> yeah. So, and then, um, then like I said, I had Rajay Davis. Rajay Davis had a good tenure with the Toronto Blue Jays, but his biggest problem he was he couldn't steal first base. Yeah, <laughs> that's so true. <laughs> and, and I was just wondering if he was ever going to figure that out. And he ended up having a, I'm going to say he ended up getting a little bit better after leaving Toronto, but it was quickly fizzled out. And he had that epic home run in the playoffs for the Indians. Ooh, that was so cool. It was fun to watch. <laughs> that, that, I'm not going to lie. I was very, I felt a little nice about that because I actually had the pleasure of meeting Rajay Davis at one point. And he's a class guy. I, I couldn't, couldn't nice have been happier guy. for him. It was just so cool. Yes. He is a very nice guy. That's what I've heard. I think I've met him once. I can't remember. But, yeah, Rajay's a good dude. Uh, for same reasons, I have him at 11. Um, he's okay. Like, he wasn't a liability. Uh, I don't think he brought a whole lot to the Blue Jays when he was here. Um, and he was one of those guys, as I said earlier, that when I was going through this list, the addition of him just made sense. And I believe he was added in 2010 
and was here until the end of the 2012 season. Yes. Um, so, yes, because he did wear the new jerseys for one year mm-hmm. uh, when they switched to those. But, yeah, Davis, uh, when they got him, made sense because in years prior, they didn't have a center fielder after Vernon Wells left. Not to mention so, the leadoff. Yeah. Ever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and Rajay was supposed to be that, but he wasn't quite. But he was not terrible. <laughs> it was enough. <laughs> like I said, it was that yep. biggest problem was he can't steal first base. It's literally yeah, you could exactly. use that as the whole summary for his for his baseball career. He had enough <laughs> good stuff going on, but the fact that he just couldn't get on first base and really show what he could do with his legs because that was his special tool. He ended up showing enough pop at the end of his career to keep him employed, but. That was his main tool that everybody was very intrigued and salivating over. <laughs> so true. But yeah, we have two more matchups, Craig, and I know we've been going on this for a while, but it's been fun. Uh, I am not disappointed at the episode length by any means, and I hope our listeners are either. <laughs> but the last two matchups in the outfield, uh, obviously we already have revealed, we're reverse on where we have Grichik and Tiostar in our six versus sevens. Uh, but in my 10 uh, up against Tiostar, I had Ezekiel Carrera, uh, and for kind of similar reasons, I'm trying to think of who it was earlier that we were going through, who's kind of just like uh, a folk hero uh, and a little bit of a cult following and fan was uh, with Ezekiel Carrera. And he yeah. did come up with some massive hits in 2016. I believe he got in the winning run on the second last day of the regular season against the Red Sox to give the Blue Jays a 2-1 win or a 3-2 win. Uh, that day in the ninth was after the we the blew it. for the wild card game, wasn't it? It did. It was, yes. That was the decider in terms of making sure that we did make it. And I believe you're right. I believe it was the um, equivalent to that. But he also tied the game up against the Orioles um, in the wild card game when it was 2 1 uh, after the, the Trumbo home run. Yep. Uh, Zeke tied it at 2 2. And he did also, was he, he was pretty good in the Cleveland series. He was a little bit of an igniter. So I did give Zeke a little bit of a bump uh, for that, even though his, he was a fourth outfielder and, and on a really good team, he'd be yeah. a fifth outfielder. Exactly. But yeah, that's why I have Zeke all the way up to 10. Okay. So my matchup there was Randall Gritchick versus Loris. Okay. So I so literally have a Lourdes. new sliced bread <laughs> matchup going on here <laughs> because you, yeah. can, you can make the argument that Loris Gurriel Jr.'s sample size is short but great. And then Gritchicks has been a bigger window, but eh. <laughs> so yeah. it's going to be interesting to see if uh, everything Gritch comes up here or that we're going to have some Pina power in my matchup. <laughs> so eight versus nine in the last one, Craig. I do have Lourdes at eight. Uh, I gave him a bump just because he's been here a little bit longer. But this is where we completely differ on Vernon Wells because I have Vernon Wells at nine. I gave him a nine slot because it was only the one year in this decade. It was a really good year that Vernon Wells was here. And I did give him a little bit of a boost on the nine seed because even though it was only one year, the 10 year beforehand was just simply incredible. But I also did this kind of strategically because I want to see if people will believe in Lourdes Gurriel enough from his longer tenure in this decade from um, Lourdes uh, or sorry, over Wells the point where people may consider that yeah, Vernon Wells was a, the face of the franchise uh, in the earlier decade, and he was really good in the one year here, so maybe we'll give him a vote over Lourdes. I just kind of wanted to do that for the intrigue, uh, but I also did penalize Vernon much more than you did, just because it was only the one year in this decade. 
So the reason that I put Vernon Wells where I did is really you look at this list. <laughs> no, I agree. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> Pure talent. He is better than ninety percent of this list, <laughs> even at that one year. <laughs> so I could, I just could not bring myself to the humanity of bringing him below Kevin Pilar and Melky Cabrera, <laughs> and that's why I ranked Vernon Wells as high as I did. Yes, that might have mis- you know some bleed in from the previous decade and whatnot, but he did finish on a high note with the Toronto Blue Jays and I couldn't penalize him for that. And it's not, not management didn't, shouldn't have gave him that giant contract. That's not his fault. (laughs) His agent agent did did their job. (laughs) Yeah. He, uh, he cashed in quite nicely. And the fact that that contract was moved somehow, uh, still to this day remains a massive mystery to me. (laughs) Oh, I hear you completely. But the reason he got that huge contract, you remember, and maybe you don't, but, um, the year that he debuted, that was one of the most ridiculous first full seasons for a player in re- at that time. This is a guy that basically that, went punch for punch with Carlos Delgado in that lineup. Right. That would have been, what, 03? Correct. The crazy year that Delgado had? Yeah. The year that should have yeah. been a playoff performance. <laughs> but you have <laughs> freaking steroid freaks. <laughs> Wrecking it for everybody. So... But yeah, that that and that's a, what people forget. That's how good he was, and he was that good yeah. for a long time, and that's why he got that contract. And then, unfortunately, that contract should have never happened for the length that it happened. Dollar amount might have been right for shorter term, but it was way too fully equally loaded throughout the whole contract. And like you said, I can't believe we offloaded that. And then who ends up biting the bullet that made me feel the best about the whole thing? The fricking New York Yankees. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I was actually at that game that year to start the season with my dad when he was playing left field for the Yankees I ran right out of spring training and I'm, we kept, you know, Hey Vernon, how you doing? And, you know, talking to him from uh, the third base <laughs> uh, baseline. And uh, it was a good time. He's still a good sport. He is. He's a good dude. Very good guy in the community too. Uh, Vernon Wells. Who did you have in your eight verse nine, Craig? Travis Snyder versus Michael Saunders. And that's where my one weird one from yours is. Because you had Saunders pretty high. I could not give him the – because it was literally the best player in baseball versus the, oh, my God, why are you here? And (laughs) (laughs) he went from being an all-star to a guy that was a fourth outfielder really, really quickly. And I just couldn't give him any higher on this list. And then I kind of lumped him into that same ballpark as Travis Snyder. Travis Snyder played very long with the Toronto Blue Jays but never really put it all together. Yeah. No, Travis Snyder was uh, a disappointment, uh, to say the least. There was some really good spurts. He had some really damn good spurts, uh, and then it just just totally fell apart for whatever reason. So I I do like where you have Michael Saunders, actually. I think I was a little generous to him based on his first half of 2016, and maybe I'm forgetting how bad his second half was because you're right, it was bad. (laughs) The second half of the season. So, but yeah. That, uh, Craig, I know this has been a long episode, but this has been one that uh, is going to set us up for the next number of weeks when we bring it up. I'm almost thinking we split this one down the middle and have two episodes this week. It's not crazy. Might have to. (laughs) (laughs) When uh, we are going to be creating our master bracket, so for fans listening, 
if you've listened this far, thank you. <laughs> or yes, maybe we will split it in two. Uh, but regardless, uh, for fans listening this far into this episode, what Craig and I are going to do now is we have some locked-in matchups. We have some locked-in feeds with players in their spots. But we are going to, to determine this bracket, let Adam Corsair, our good buddy, determine his bracket, and we'll see what he says, and we will create the master bracket based upon all of that and create the matchups, which you will be able to vote on Twitter uh, to determine who the best Blue Jays player of 2010 is. Craig, did you have any final thoughts on this exercise of what we've done to this point uh, or maybe just some general feedback or excitement on uh, moving forward with this little project? Yeah, I'm looking forward to where some of these matchups are going to go. <laughs> I think we got some intriguing ones here for each position. And I'm just looking forward to that conversation with everybody on Twitter. And I almost feel like we're going to have to have a freaking call in or something at some point here to help everybody keep their sanity going through these lists <laughs> in the next few weeks. Or after maybe we get through a couple of these in the first rounds, we'll have a breakdown show or something. But this is just the tip of the iceberg is some of the fun we have coming here on Jaybird watching everybody, especially now we have our third mind melded into this wonderful concoction that we have going on here. <laughs> um, me, Brendan and Adam Corsair are doing a very good job of coming up with content in this wonderfully weird time that we are all going through here with no sports. We got everything <laughs> coming. So this is just the beginning. And I really am looking forward to the conversation with blue Jays fans on what they think about these matchups and where the seating goes in the actual bracket yeah it's gonna be fun to uh, get people's feedback hopefully build a, the viewership a little bit more the listenership or whatever you want to call it uh to our pod but yeah my hope craig is that uh, as we continue to go along these discussions from this episode uh can continue to hopefully the point where things get better on the covid19 front and we get close to the start of baseball, Real baseball. uh that would be really nice <laughs> But uh, I think we've bought ourselves several weeks of content uh, with this for the next little while, which will hopefully take us to the start of the season. <laughs> yeah, we're almost in like the in as far as the global view here. We're almost in the inverse league or um, inverse field of dreams thing going here. If you stay away from it, people will come eventually. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it's gonna be good. I think we're gonna have to divide this up into two episodes, man, because this is gonna be a long listen. So maybe we use no, the first part of this to kick off our first two parts of the conversation starting pitchers infielders in our first rounds of votes and then we can release this other one later in the week and start the other stuff yeah sure i am uh, totally on board with that so if you want to stitch it all together people who listen do it it'll be one but it'll also be two whoa <laughs> ab crazy <laughs> anyway Brenda, so, it's been a pleasure man it has been a pleasure. It's been a long one, but it's been a good one. Uh, we're looking forward to hearing everybody's opinions on the matter in terms of how this bracket breaks down once we have other opinions and whatnot. But until then, please come back, baseball. Please come back, baseball, and let's go, Blue Jays. Let's go, Blue Jays. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com.